This is Transistor.fm. The old thing that used to bug the heck out of me is I would book a call and then it would snow it would snow 20 centimeters here and I'd be like everyone is going up to the resort and I'm stuck oh, in yeah. the office. You're close to some mountains. Yeah. And so that just drove me nuts like not having it open uh you know yeah precluded me from doing that. I wish I lived closer. I'm like a good three hours to to get some good snowboarding in. So I can't just go on a whim, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It is nice. But I'm, but I am so, you know, I was just saying, saying this to my wife yesterday. Like it's really nice lately, the last few months, like I literally, my calendar is open, you know? Um, it's so like, I used to have a lot of calls, like, you know, when I was doing audience ops for, for a while, I was doing sales calls. And then even without the sales calls, I was still talking to the team and all different stuff. But like now I'm just wide open and I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. I want to talk about like, so you started Productize in 2014. Yeah. The, yeah. The end of that year. Yeah. And, but you also have audience ops, right? That's the other. Yeah. I, I mean, I just sold audience ops uh, two months oh, ago. You, oh yeah. So started in 2015, sold in 2021. That was like your main bread and butter for a long time. Yeah, it, it was. Um, so that that closed in twenty in September 2021. Um, uh, yeah, I I ran that for almost seven years. It was like six and a half, seven years, and it yeah for, definitely for a while it became um, just a really good, steady, sustainable, profitable cash flow business for me. Yeah, um, and it especially the last like four four or so years of of running it, like I was pretty. I mean, checked out is the wrong word. I'm I'm always very, you know, I do pay attention to the team and 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 the clients and everything. But I was out of the business. I was not doing anything. Like I I literally was touching that business about two hours a month or so, two to three hours a month, um, in like fifteen minute bursts of things coming into my inbox. But like, um, so that was actually perfect for me for the last few years trying to hack on SaaS products and having all this yeah. free time to. You know, I expanded my skill set into Ruby on Rails and all this different stuff. But like, um, yeah, then finally this year, I I just felt, I don't, it was probably a combination of things, but it's just something pushed me that it was like, it's just time to move on. I'm I'm trying to move on. It's time to actually, uh, in a way, sort of like burn, burn the boats a little bit and, and go, you know, not that I needed to like free up time. Like I was already basically full time working on zip message, but um, I guess more of like a mental, like kind of moving on to the, into the next chapter of my career here. Right yeah, here. totally. Yeah. So, so did you make that decision once zip message was giving you a full-time income? Like did zip message, had zip message already replaced the income from audience ops? Uh, no, and it's not yet. Um, okay. So you're still working towards uh, that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, zip message does have uh, more traction faster than, than other products that, that I've started for sure. Um, yeah. 
So, so that, that was, that's what made it really interesting for me. I mean, I literally only started zip message right around January 1st of this year, 2021. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, like very first customers was, was in April of 21. Yeah. And it's been, uh, so it's, it's been, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it like a rocket ship or anything, but it's definitely solid traction. Uh, and we're like right within this first year now. Um, mm-hmm. And then also in September of 2021, for the first time in my career, I, I took a bit of outside funding from uh, from ComFund. Oh, um, yeah. So that, yeah, I want to talk and, about and that, that too. And, and so that 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 happened in the same month that I sold Audience Ops. So there was like a, a big, it, it, I was really on the fence about the funding and, and what form of funding or, or maybe just not take funding at all and remain bootstrapped. Um, but it basically came down to, okay, I'm selling audience ops. I I could burn through that money for a while, or I could not and, and raise a bit of funding. So yeah, like keep some of that, the, the audience ops money in your bank account for your family in case you need it Yeah, or for the future or whatever, but then, uh, use somebody else's money to try to grow zip message. Do you think um I was I was tweeting about this yesterday there's something about doing a sequence of things and even if you, like if I look at your your webpage theme jam wp bids hotel propeller oh, restaurant We're engine <laughs> landing pages content upgrades ops <laughs> calendar sunrise kpi thready audience ops all the pain, all, all on one page, all the pain. Yeah, process <laughs> kit and then zip message. But the advantage is when, because it's it's difficult for me to describe this feeling that I'm always trying to describe, which is the, the pull of the market, the momentum that just the underlying momentum in a category and the advantage of launching multiple things is that you feel it, or at least that's been my experience. Did you have that too? Like, did you feel like, whoa, like this is much different than what I've seen before? I, first of all, I I love how how you've been talking about that for the last couple of years now. Um, mm. uh, it's really, I it's I, I've been really listening in to to what to everything that you've been saying about you know. Um, you know the, the market pull and and the mm-hmm. wave of, of demand and all that. I, it really makes a lot of sense. So I resonate with that. Um, I I wouldn't say it, it like with Zip Message, which is what I'm focused on now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it it has definitely. Um, what what I would I, I wouldn't say that it's been black and white. You know, yeah. um, com- compared to other products. But what I will say is. Yeah, like going going down the line of everything that I've learned, and I've, I've noticed this again and again, that every time I start something new, it's in reaction to usually the previous thing that I was working on. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm, every single time I am course correcting. Like, okay, start one thing. A couple of these things worked. That was good. A couple of these things I was just really hitting, hitting a wall on. I, and and how can we fix that thing in, in the next yeah. thing? And and um and so, yeah, that, that's, that's really what it's been all about. And like, so the thing that literally came right before zip message is process kit. And I, and I still own and run process kit. Um, but that one I spent a good three years on, um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it didn't grow to 
replacing like my income from audience ops or anything like that. Um, and so w- once I got to around almost three years into it, um, that's when shiny object syndrome kind of, you know, yeah. uh, showed up. And that that's when it tends to show up is when you've spent a long time on something and it hasn't really taken off. Um, and that's when zip message came into the picture. So, um, they're, they're both SaaS products. Um, but, um, there are a number of like specific things in, in the way the product is that made zip message really attractive to me. Yeah. You know, and has zip message, uh, superseded, uh, process kit in terms of revenue? Uh, it's just about there. It's just about there. So in In, one in a matter of months. Yeah. 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 See, that's, that, that's kind of what I'm. And, and it's like, it's a lot more, uh, number of customers too. It's different value per customer feel because embedded in the category is not just um the momentum like how many customers are searching for this every single day like how many people wake up every single day and search for loom alternative but also embedded in the category is we have that page now (laughs) oh yeah good good uh uh embedded in the in the category is also the shape of the product, the shape of customer acquisition, the shape of the complexity of onboarding, the complexity of like everything. That was is probably kind the big one. Embedded. Yeah, the onboarding. Yeah, tell me a bit about that. Like, what's the difference between Process Kit and this one? Yeah, I mean, with Process Kit, um, it's so Process Kit is basically a tool that. You can create your, your processes, get your team on board, and run those processes repeatedly. And there's a lot of automation, a lot of conditional logic. Um, it, it does, a, so a lot of uh, agencies and productized services, uh, mm-hmm. are, are it's kind of ideal for them. Um, those are the best customers for it. And I, I didn't necessarily intend to do this out of the gate with ProcessKit, but it, ulti- but it resulted in it basically being in the space of project management software. Yeah. And and that's a huge lift. Not only is it extremely competitive, it, but it's the the biggest challenge is getting a team to adopt it and yes. get that va- and and getting them to to get value out of the tool like fast because it it takes a good month and it's a project to actually like create and set up all of these automations and project and, and processes. Get your team invited in and and there, yeah. there's really great value once they are activated and invited in and, and we've got teams who expand on the product and everything. It's, it's, that's pretty good, but getting them there is is a really really big challenge compared to mm-hmm. um, Zip Message. I mean, you sign up for Zip Message, you have your first recording you send it to somebody only send it to one other person and you've just gotten some level of value from the tool um yeah. and 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 I'm also seeing like you don't need to have the whole team buy into it it could just be two one, one or two people in a in an organization and it spreads i mean virally in in an organization um and then the other the other cool thing about it is is that it's easy to share externally with anyone mm-hmm. Um, the, the original idea was to, uh, have, have a way to just send anybody a link, a customer, a client, here's a link. Hey, can you just click here, click record? You can record right into your browser. Now we're in an async back and forth conversation. Um, they don't, you know, the client, the customer, they don't need to download or install or even register for anything. Um, you don't, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so, you know, you could have like your own 
personalized brand link and send it out. And um, I like to think of yeah. it as like, um, uh, it wouldn't necessarily replace a Calendly or, or, or a Savvy Cal. Like, you know, um, I, I love those tools for booking calls. Yeah. But it's sort of like an, a, an alternative to, to run alongside that, right? Like yeah. the, a lot of people say like, yeah, sometimes a call is, is needed, right? So I'll yeah. send my Savvy Cal link. But sometimes instead of a call, I'll just send my zip message link and we can at least get the conversation started that way, you know? Yeah, I wanna go, I wanna get back to, uh, remind me if I forget about viral loops. And, uh, uh, but that, that, that distinction between um, how hard it is to get a customer to pay. And I remember for me, I was working at Sprintly, uh, which is project management software. And this was just so clear to me because it, it, it was like to, you'd have, you know, I'm doing all this marketing, I'm bringing in tons of traffic. And then that translates to trials. And it's like, perfect. Like we're getting trials. Perfect. And then it's like, why are people not converting from trial to paid? And so the answer was, okay, let's do a bunch of calls to figure out, you know, what's going on. And you start doing these demo calls and you realize on the call, they're like, well, I, I like this, but I got to talk to the rest of my team and get them on board in order for yeah. us to switch from Jira to this. Hundreds of times. Yeah. <laughs> what unlocked it for me was probably looking at Nathan Barry and just watching him and going, oh, wait a second. All he has to convince is a creator sitting at home to take out their credit card and buy. He only has to convince one person. Yeah. And that's it. And he has to do that at scale. People people wake up one day, they're like, you know what? Damn it. I need to switch off MailChimp or I need to start an email newsletter. And, you know, they search things up and they find a solution. And, you know, you're lucky enough if you get them to get, you know, in ConvertKit's case, if you get them to your website and you get them to sign up for a trial, that's already, you know, praise God, you've got a, a, a lead, a, a live one on the line. But then the process of them, how easy, how quick, how uh, frictionless is it for them to just pay? That's <laughs> That was where yeah. we were losing everybody at Sprintly. It was like, uh, we would just lose everybody. It was, it, you had to convince a team. Yeah, and, and that frictionless, a lot of people think of it like, oh, user experience, and maybe I could design a better onboarding. And I, and I did all that, but it's not, that's not enough. It's, they have to feel the value fast, you know? Yes. I, I, I tweeted this where I said, and it, people got angry about it at first, but once I clarified it, I think it was, people understood, better onboarding user experience activation is not going to solve anything if there's an underlying kind of motivation problem or an underlying um, structural problem in the way that the shape of demand in that category. So in, yeah. in project management software, it doesn't matter how good you make the onboarding, how good you make the product tour, how good, like it, none of that matters because there's this underlying fundamental of in order to use this, I need to convince my whole team. And, and it only takes a few conversations with potential customers. You know, one thing that I asked, I said, so what, tell me your journey with project management software. Like, 
what what's that look like for your team? And then everyone had like five apps that they'd gone through already. Well, first we started with this and then, you know, Bob didn't like that. So, yeah. I mean, I totally, I've seen it. And, and once you see that, it, it, people are fighting the wrong battles. They're fighting these battles of like, oh, I got to just make the product better or I got to get more uh, people at the top of the funnel. Uh, but just embedded in every category are just these fundamentals of how the shape of everything works. And it's really difficult to fight that. You can't, uh, it, it's hard to swim against the current there. Yeah, I mean, you, you were talking about like, on my on my personal site, the list of all the products that I've had over the years, right? Yeah. Um, those are the only the ones that I actually had like customers for at one point. There's a whole bunch that I had zero customers for, right? Yeah. Um, and and this is what I've always had a really hard time with is that middle ground in the in the mm-hmm. early days of a of a new product. Um, yeah. You know, like that. That's where I think, like, when I listen to you talk about all, all the demand stuff. I think for a lot of listeners, it, it might sound very binary, like either the demand yeah. is there or it's not. And, yeah. and there are so many times when I've been working on a product and I just wish this product would flat out fail already so that I could, <laughs> that I, so that I would know, okay, it's, it's easy. It's, not, it's time for me to move on. But there's always like just a few customers who are coming to the website and they do book a call and they do yeah. like talk to me forever about their frustrations with Asana or with whatever other product they're, they're using. Um, and so, so then you start to notice like, like, and then you have like a little bit of revenue. It's not escape velocity revenue, but it, but it's not zero. So it's like, what do you do with that? Um, yeah. and, and like that, that's where it gets really, really difficult for, for, I think a lot of founders, certainly myself, you know? Yeah. I, I think Tyler Tringus was just tweeting about this he's just noticed there's this there is this kind of middle ground and it's difficult i mean one reason i keep talking about it is because it's hard to tell what's possible when you're when you're trying to give advice to other people uh cuz what i mean by that is like when i was selling courses um i thought i was doing okay you know every year i was like selling a little bit more but what I wasn't kind of taking note of is how much effort, energy, mind space, stress it it took to make those dollars. So it's like every you know quarter, I'm like having to like crank this machine to get the the new launch going, the new update, the new sale. and it it was always like every month it felt like I was starting from zero again. there There was never like this like, I get this thing going and then it's just running. And again, like maybe that is just the reality for most businesses. That's what most businesses look like is, you know, you're a freelancer and then every once in a while you got to go get out more sales. And if you don't get more sales, you know, you got to keep the machine going. Yeah. I mean, at at the end of the day, like, like most, most businesses, I, I feel like in the world, or at least in our industry at large is consulting working, you know, working for someone. And like, it's, it's not that hard to, to go find a a good client. Um, yeah. And there's, there's nothing wrong with, with making a great living that way. Uh, but yeah, like, like kind of, but yeah, like, like, especially when you're in the early days, like all the people use the word like pivot and, and repositioning your product and stuff like this. Um, 
I think there's a lot of like mini pivots along the way, Yeah, you know, um, you know, maybe you're not completely changing your homepage, but, um, you're starting to focus in different areas. You're starting to talk about the product in different ways and different use cases. And like, then, then you can start to slowly like dial in. Um, I mean, that's been some of the, some of the key learning with zip message in, in just the past six, seven months. Um, that that's it's been interesting. So just this week, just launched a, a brand new website for the for the whole product and everything. Okay, yeah. Um, and one of the big reasons for that is because the website that I had before, I designed, I think around March or April of this year. So mm-hmm. right around when the very first customers were coming into Zip Message. Um, so all the copy and all the positioning and everything was based on like basically my initial idea for the product. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of my gut. Uh, guess at what the product might want, and and for some customers that that resonated enough, and it, and it got them in. But then over yeah. the next six months, I I did start to notice, okay, who who is a just resonating the most with the idea, and who are the best customers and using it the most, and then who are the who's who's churning and why are they churning, mm-hmm. um, and um, and what I what I found was that the core. Uh, pain point or a problem that it's solving is actually different from what I thought it would be from day one. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So, so what like, was the original, what was the original, like right now your headline is better async conversations, video voice and screen conversations without live meetings. So how is that different than what you started with? Yeah. And so that's the new website. Um, I, I actually don't remember what the original H1 was, but the idea for the original thing was more of like a customer support context. So yeah. if I'm doing customer support, I could send a link to a customer and they can reply back uh, using zip message. Um, and that was the big idea. And that's the big differentiator from something like Loom where I, I used to have to like send, send an email to a customer on customer support and say, hey, I need to see your screen. Can you go install this tool to record your screen and, or send me a video via Dropbox or something, you know, a lot of friction there. So I was like, I just want to send somebody a link so that they can record and get back to me. That was the original idea. Yeah. And, and, but the way that I designed it and and built the first version was, yes, it had that ability. Plus I could reply back and it would have on one page, a threaded conversation back and forth. And more and more people started to resonate with just seeing that, like com- mm. a conversation flowing down the page. That that's not what Loom essentially has, at least not with like you know anybody. Um, uh, it's it's mo- it's higher fidelity than like a Slack chat. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's more open. You can have it with freelancers, clients, your team, whoever. So that's what people start to resonate with, and. Um, and then I noticed that the people who are actually using it the most, like daily usage, are teams. Like uh, everybody's remote now, so remote teams, and 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 client services. So they're talking to clients and and, and freelancers using it to talk to their clients too. Yeah. And then and then the other thing that I'm noticing just in general is like a lot of these SaaS companies companies in general are not just full time employees anymore. There's a couple of partners and full-time employees, and then a bunch of freelancers that come in and out, and you're yeah. looking to hire people on, on gigs. So you have conversations going with all these different people, but they're not necessarily people you're going to invite into your private Slack workspace, you know? So yes. 
So that's that's where it starts to really resonate with people. So so that's what that was the big change. Um, and and I guess from a positioning standpoint, the other the other thing that that really resonates are people who are doing more live calendar appointments and more live Zoom calls than they want to be. Yeah. You know? So so that's why the new website now like really tries to position it against like this versus calendar appointments. Yeah. You know? And do you think that positioning, because all of that makes sense to me from a, you know, it makes sense as you're, you're listening to customers, uh, these things that might not have been immediately apparent would become more apparent. Like, it's like, oh man, like this is an alternative. This isn't just an alternative to Loom. This is an alternative to scheduling a calendar meeting. This is an alternative to a Slack chat. This is an alternative to me uploading an unlisted YouTube video. You know, like there's all of these, yeah. um, these alternatives too. The, the job to be done it isn't just like, give me a better version of Loom. It's no, like my job to be done is please uh, save me, help me uh, yeah. to have less meetings. Uh, help me to clearly communicate this to a customer uh, and have them be able to share their screen with me uh, without it being live. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, like, so there's a lot of these patterns that are already happening that have been happening for years, but they're just there aren't. And there there are plenty of tools that that people resort to, but um, so like hiring is another big one. Um, so we're everybody's hiring remotely now. You put up a job listing or you put out on Twitter that you're looking for somebody. De yeah. developer, a writer, whoever, a marketer, whoever it might be that you're trying to hire. Then you get a bunch of applications. Now you got to read all these text applications and sift through that. That's hours of work right there. Then, then you're, then you got to like sort of boil it down to a, a short list and then have like Zoom calls with all of them. And then mm -hmm. you do follow-up conversations and you don't want to go too, you don't want to have too many calls because it's like too much time on both of your ends, but you're still not quite sure whether or not the person is right and are are they a long-term fit and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So for for me and and a lot of users now um I like to do I I just hired a guy to help with uh, some marketing work. Um I I like to do a short uh a short Zoom call to like meet and greet like like just see if like there's like a personality fit like are we are we gelling like like 10 15 minutes just kind of meet and then a deep dive over the course of like 2 weeks asynchronously mm. video uh messages back and forth show me your screen show me a recent project How, what do you think about this for the long-term uh plan on this role um you know uh and, and then you can like insert like quick text responses insert links whatever it might be but like i you know you get a much better feel for who the person is what the plan is without having to book calls with like five more candidates and you yeah know, um and it just it it just makes the whole thing easier. And I mean, the other thing that I really love to focus on is I feel this every time I'm in a call with somebody that I'm working with, it's better. It's it's actually better. Like it's not just more convenient. <laughs> the time zone stuff, the avoid calendar bookings. Yeah, that's that's nice. To me, that's not even like it's it's actually a better conversation, better outcomes, more productive because. Um, think about like you're you're on a Zoom call with somebody that you're working with, collaborating on some on some work. 
I have a question, like, what do you think about this? Or what do you think we should do about that? Now, now they're on the spot. Like they have to have an answer right now, live, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas if I, if I send that to you, if I show you something and say, what do you think? Or what do you think we should do about this problem? Send that to you. You, you watch it, you digest it, you take a walk, you think about it, you come back, you prepare a response. Maybe you jot yeah. down some notes. Then maybe you record your response. Oh, I, I could say that a little bit tighter. I can get my point across a little bit more clearly. Let me re-record that for two minutes. Then yeah. you send it off. Now, now I, I just got like the best that you have to offer. And, yeah. and, it's, and we go back and forth that way. And, and like it, the final product is like way better, whatever it is we're, we're working on, you know? It, it, it feels like, especially with a product like ZipMessage, once you're in it, your imagination of what's possible with it expands. So, like, I, I think I was a customer because we just switched from Loom to ZipMessage. The initial trigger was me getting this invoice from Loom saying, hey, this is what we're going to charge you for next year. And it was something like 500 bucks or something. I was just like, ah, oh, man, like... I've, you know, I'd kind of like to try zip message. This is a good opportunity to try it. And it would just be a good replacement for Zoom, uh, for Loom. So I canceled Loom, get zip message. And there's other jobs to be done there. I want to support an indie product. I invested in Brian's journey. Uh, you know, there's, there's other things. And that's what gets me in the door. But once I'm in the door, I'm I'm starting to think, okay, I had a customer, you know, ask some questions. I'm like, okay, I'm going to use zip message for this. So I record a zip message and say, you reply to this with your screen. And so they do that. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is great for customer support. Then I had a friend who asked me to give me feedback on their app. They just built a new app. And so I, okay, I'll do this on there. And I record a thing. And then I send that to them. I know, and this is the hardest thing. We have an <laughs> internal... <laughs> We have an internal team conversation. And I'm like, oh, you know what? This would be awesome to. We I used to use Loom for this. I'll just send this to the team, and they can respond with things. And then my mind, it starts to unlock all these other things. It's like, oh, wait a second. Like I'm always doing these build-in public kind of questions. Like, hey, here's my analytics. What you, would you folks on Twitter do with this? And I'm like, oh, I, I could just record a thing, a question, and put it out on Twitter and have people respond in this thread. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, I could do this, but how are you going to deal with that? I of, know, <laughs> like, there's an initial trigger that gets people in the door, and that's kind of what you got to focus your marketing on. And then, of course, as people activate and use it more, it's going to be great, and it it may have this kind of viral loop component as it spreads everywhere. Um, you know, some people are using it for their podcast voicemail box, like, hey, if you want to leave us a message or a question use it here. So there's all these possibilities, but how are you kind of dealing with the marketing side of that and just like getting well, people to sign up? You definitely described all, these are all real uses that real customers have been using it for. Um, yeah. And that's the problem. <laughs> or that's, that, that's definitely the, the challenge, you know? Um, uh, it's, it's actually been a challenge for a while. I, I talked about this on Bootstrap Web uh, early on in, in the life. So I, this, this must've been somewhere around, um, probably May or June of mm -hmm. this year, uh, when I, I had the very earliest customers and that was my first thought. I was like, okay, 
I, I need to niche down. I, I need to have a specific use case that I know exactly how to market this thing. And one of the early patterns was coaches. So if you're a okay. business coach, um, and, uh, and we do have quite a few coaches who, who use it for like, they might do some like live coaching, but then they, they have like async Q and a in between those sessions, or they have a community and they, and they do like, ask me anything or group sessions using, you know, all, all async stuff like that. So yeah. that seemed like a good, it's, it's still a really good use case for us, but it's, as you, as you said, it's not the only one. Um, so early, early on, I was talking on, on bootstrapped web about like, okay, I need to niche down. I think it's going to be coaches. And, um, and I started sort of, I made a landing page for it and I talked to more coaches about it. And then I, you know, as I'm sure you get all the time, like I have a podcast. So then all these like random strangers start emailing me. Like I heard mm-hmm. that, don't do that, do this. Yeah. Like, do, you know, they give me all this, all this <laughs> advice and stuff. And I, and I think it did start to actually, it, actually, that was a case where it started to click for me. It was like, okay, even though the general wisdom is go vertical, yeah, this is just a horizontal product. At, at least, at least with it, it's not like for literally everyone in the world. But especially if you're on a remote team, if you're in tech or or digital client services, like it's it's within that realm. But it's pretty horizontal within that realm. Yeah. Um. And and I and I started to sort of just embrace that. Um, yeah. Uh. My thought now, like with the new website, the way that I structured it is, we've got the homepage, which is pretty broad about what what it does and what you can do with it. Then I have two um, use case pages. One mm. is called um, async team meetings. The other oh, one yeah, is called async this. client meetings. Um, How did you so, land on the term async? It, was that related to, like, was that uh, uh, verbiage that, uh, that, that potential customers well, were using? Or it, it's... It, it's still a little bit like kind of like controversial. Like I, I do get people saying like, I don't know what that means. Um, mm-hmm. But I also see it as sort of a newer term that's, it, it is growing. Like I see people on Twitter that I that don't know me or anything like using the term async, uh, usually in, in the same sentence as talking about using Loom or talking about it, working remotely and, um, you know, asynchronous mm-hmm. communication. So So I see it as like sort of like a newer trending term that I think we should try try and own, you know? Hey, do you want to start your own podcast? Head over to Transistor and use my coupon, transistor.fm slash Justin. You'll get 15% off your first year of podcast hosting. Um, and that's that's part of it, you know? But it it, it does perfectly describe what, what it is. It's, it's asynchronous, you know? It, yeah, it's just interesting. The, the, the challenge is is you're looking for the, I mean, again, this is the advantage that podcast hosting has is the, as much as you can like cavort around like with ideas of like, this is how people might find us and this is how, you know, I'd like things to go. In our industry, the truth is that people basically get themselves ramped up to a level where they are ready. So it's like they, they talk to their co-host. They're like, let's start a podcast. They're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's both get mics. Okay, we did that. Okay, let's record our first one. They figure all that out. And then they're like, okay, we got to host it somewhere. And the like nine times out of 10, the next thing that happens is a Google search that looks like best 
podcast hosting. Like that's yeah. that's the thing. So they're looking for the best and then the category. And there's an enormous number of product categories that are like this. Uh, best form software, right? And so it's going to be like reform versus type form. Those are your options. Best remote chat app. It's going to yeah. be Slack. It's going to be whatever. Best project management software. So there's a lot of these kinds of things, but not every category has that, you know? I'm always, I'm, I'm friends with so many uh, other founders who, who have that type of product and market where it's like, they just, you know, yeah, it's super competitive and, and it's such, and it's a, a huge market and they can, they can carve out a, a piece of it. And, and mm -hmm. I, I always sort of wish I was, I was uh, like, this is what I, this is what probably stresses me out the most right now this year is, is that it, it is not a product that, um, People are actively searching directly. There, there's definitely search stuff that we're going after, um, mm -hmm. but they're not searching with the buy intent right now. You know, so I, I see it more as like, um, like you know, the the term async and the fact that it's in our headline on the homepage and everything. It's not necessarily that people are searching for. I need to buy an asynchronous communications tool today. Let me search for it and buy it. Um, but it is. A little bit more about different differentiation um, when they land on the page, or if they're talking about async, or they hear somebody talk about async on Twitter or a podcast. Mm -hmm. I want the association to be like, "Oh, you, you guys are asynchronous, or we're trying to go async." Then you should look at Zip Message, and and, and that's what's that's what's hard. Like I'm so impatient. I, I wish I could just. I wish I could buy AdWords on async. You know, um, my hypothesis on this is that it's just going to be a slower build. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, and I got to sort of train myself to, to just, just execute on, on what I could do and, and, you know, see where this goes. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I like to do is I like to look up my competitors in Ahrefs. And so if we look up Loom, I mean, one thing that's immediately apparent is so many of their keywords are just branded keywords. Loom, Loom video, Loom login, download Loom. Loom screen recorder. Uh, there, there's, there's. I'm searching for like an actual intent-based search that's not a branded search. And this is different than a lot of products because in this case, like I'm still scrolling. I, I still can't find website video recording is probably the first one. I think that speaks to the competitive landscape on this one. Um, you know, and that, and that was one of the things that led me to decide like, oh, this is a product that I might want to do. Um, and, and that's, and that was, um, uh, again, course correcting from the previous one process kit was in the project management space. You know, I could try to optimize for project management software all day long. I'm never going to be on page one for that. Um, uh, whereas, uh, or, or even if it's not even an SEO play, you're still up against thousands of, of PM tools. Mm -hmm. So this one, what I, what I was seeing in the market, you know, in terms of validation, I like to sort of just observe from, from afar, uh, and, uh, and, and see what I was seeing was loom is the, is the big one. Everybody. In, I, I mean, I, I, I was a paying customer of loom for a while. So, so what I was seeing was there's a lot of, uh, usage of this one big player there's a couple of small sort of similar tools in the space, but, but nothing like it's not an ocean of, of tools, um, 
out there that that do this sort of like uh, fast, easy video recording, send off a link. Um, and there, there's things that, that are sort of like it, but but again, and, and then I, so I saw, I saw that, like, it's not super crowded and I see clear ways that I want to differentiate that, that certain problems, like the back and forth conversation ability to just send it to a customer, like that kind of like, you know, like frictionless kind of stuff I wasn't seeing in these other tools. So I was like, okay, it's, it's, there's a lot of activity. Everybody's using these types of tools. There's not that many of them. And, and I see ways that I could differentiate, um, and that that's what got got me really excited about it, you know. It's similar to Calendly. They really defined this thing. Like I hadn't really even heard of that before. Like I'd never thought to Google like appointment scheduling tool. Like I never even thought about that. It was like, no, for appointment scheduling, I just like invite someone to my GCal event and that's how it works. And then once I heard about Calendly and I saw it, and 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 so this goes back to what I was thinking about viral loops is um, I was listening to this podcast I was going to send you. It's on Noah Kagan's podcast and he's interviewing uh, Andrew Chen. And Andrew's always been interested in these kinds of products, like products where- I just downloaded another one with Chen. Uh, it might be Tim Ferriss. Yeah, because he's got a book out. So he's he's talking about this idea quite a bit. And it's it's different than what I've- what like it's different than what transistor had which was an established category so this is like a category that's been around for 10 plus years of podcast hosting and it's it's tangentially related to website hosting which is another thing that's existed for a long time and so there's this this kind of overarching category of website hosting and sometimes that's how we describe transistor you know you have website hosting for your website you need podcast hosting for your podcast. The difference here is uh, in things with things like Dropbox, with things like Calendly and Loom. It's almost like the there was this initial incumbent who really carved out a big space. They created the the category, and in most cases, it seems people hear about it and then they just Google for that name. It's like okay, I need Loom. I've heard about Loom. I got a Loom link. And they're viral in the sense that, I can't remember Andrew's exact definition, but we all, we've experienced this. Like you get a Dropbox link and you're like, oh, this is interesting. And then you download the client and now all of a sudden you're a user. Um, you get a Calendly link. I mean, I, I definitely, yeah, that, that's exactly how me and probably everyone converted on Calendly years ago, years ago right? Um, I mean, I forgot who who sent it to me, but I definitely, that's how I converted it. I, I received a Calendly link, you know? I think like every product has like these pros and cons, like there's, and there's a whole line of different uh, benefits, right? I, one of the things that I, I, I love about the hosting business that I'm so, I'm always so jealous of is that like, you have like the, the set it and forget it uh, benefit. Um, like, yeah, you got to use it to like, create episodes and post them. But after you post them, I mean, I am still still paying for hosting of both websites and podcasts that I've stopped touching years ago, but I don't want them to go offline. So I'm paying for them. You know, I mean, that's a huge, <laughs> that's a huge benefit, you know, and, and there, there are some tools like that. Yeah. We, we have less of that than traditional web hosting because there is this feeling with a website. It's like, well, I got to keep that, that, you know, up. But with a podcast, sometimes there's this feeling of like, well, I'm no longer actively releasing episodes. And so 
I think we're we're right in the middle. Yeah, no, but I, I have old I have old podcasts that still bring traffic and and people that I don't do anymore, you know. I mean, we definitely have that as well. Our our like acquisition and churn profile, if you go to ConvertKit's um open metrics, we are very similar to them. Uh a bit a little bit less so. Like we're I think we're more we're right in the middle between hosting and then like this ongoing service like ConvertKit. But if you look at the market, it's both for ConvertKit and Transistor, we basically need to have this influx of new people every month. And then there's always going to be a pretty sizable uh, group of people churning. Like they don't get going within within like a month or two. Yeah, or they just like, it's... It you know, they start something, it's not getting the traction they wanted. They get they start something, they get bored. Um, for all the reasons you can think of someone starting a convert kit list and then stopping, those all apply to podcast hosting as well. It's like, you know, they get really excited and then it's like, oh, this is work, or oh, I'm not I only have two subscribers. Um, I'm just gonna cancel. Is it more do you think it's more work to get a successful new podcaster? on board or to convert, like like move your existing podcast over? Yeah, I, I think our our focus for next year is going to be, I mean, there's a ceiling to this. So in the paid podcast hosting market, Buzzsprout and Libsyn both have, let's say, 35,000 feeds from what I can tell. Um, so that's 70,000 total, maybe it's up to 100. So there's a, that's, that's total number of feeds that are paid podcasting, pay, paying for podcasting. Um, so I think there's an opportunity there. Like, you know, if we carve off uh, 10% of that, that would be huge for us, that we would we would probably double our annual revenue. Uh, and the other opportunity for us, uh, surprisingly, and Nathan's had this with ConvertKit as well, is there's a free option at the beginning of the market that people get started with. So a lot of people start on Anchor, and surprisingly, a lot of people um, upgrade to Transistor. And for Nathan, it's a lot of people start on Substack and then upgrade to ConvertKit. Uh, so we've got this like this kind of natural feeder system now. It's it's an interesting case study, and like, look what happens when you offer only a free product. And like, I remember seeing Anchor back like a couple of years ago. Like, that's interesting, but. They're only free, so I'm not going to use them because they probably won't be around very long, or or something's going to happen. They get acquired or something, and like, and, and they did get acquired, right? But um, yeah, they're they're with Spotify, yeah, yeah. And it's it, it's interesting to see why people upgrade though, because with Substack and Anchor, there's this feeling of okay, I'm going to go pro now. Like this is kind of like the beginner thing. It's limited. The analytics aren't that great. They haven't updated the player forever. Uh, I can only have one podcast per account, so I can't host multiple podcasts on the same account. I can't run a private podcast. You know, that's a that's a good one. The uh, multiple accounts, m- multiple podcasts. I mean, I I have multiple podcasts. I plan to launch another one. It, it's it's definitely going to be on Transistor because I mean. One of the things that I love that you guys just launched, I can't wait to use it at some point, is um, the dynamic audio insertion. Oh, man. 
and that that was totally a shiny object that I was I I was starting to look into that to, to build that a couple of years ago. Um, I, I yeah. never did it, but um, I love that. That that is such a uh, you know the obvious one is to use it for ads, but I, I would totally use it for like here's what's happening at my company this month. You know, let me put that on all of my podcasts. Like, oh, I mean, I I put it on. I put an update on. I had some pretty popular podcasts, Build and Launch and Product People. And I'm like, as soon as Jason and John finished working on the pre-roll, post-roll version of it, I'm like, I'm using this for these back catalogs that still get thousands of downloads totally. every month. Yeah. And so I just recorded a, hey, this is Justin, and uh, wanted to give you a little update. The last episode of this podcast was in 2018. It's 2021. Here's what's happened. And um, that just being able to use your backlog, like yeah. have it in, yeah, it's like in, a real time element into what is basically a past recording, you know. Yeah, um, I used love it, it for Black Friday, like uh, promoting Black Friday. So we just put the campaign on, took the campaign off. Or you need to like hire, like, hey, we're hiring someone this month. If you know someone, yes, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You you guys actually have like a a bit of a viral component though. Like if if they use the transistor website or the transistor player, you're seeing, you know, powered by transistor. Um, where you have one step better than us is our virality is very two-dimensional in the sense that more people using Transistor doesn't necessarily benefit the users, but there is a scenario where more people using ZipMessage, uh, the more people that use it, the better the ecosystem gets. Meaning, if I already have an account on ZipMessage and you send me a ZipMessage message, then I'm already there. I'm already seeing it. And, yeah. you know, my your library- Your name is already on your messages, yeah. It gets better and better and better. And so there, and Andrew Chen talks about that. Like Dropbox gets better the more people use it. Mm-hmm. Slack gets better the more things in your life that are using Slack, if it's your running group, if it's your church's Bible study, and if it's your company- now you just have one app that you have to use and you know discord gets better when everybody's deciding to use it for crypto chat or whatever because then if you're into crypto you just have to go to one place and you've got it all and i think you've got a little bit of that element we ju- just this month um for the very first time i'm experimenting with free like there's a free freemium plan oh cool um so tell um, me about that think, what's the thinking behind that it's exactly that it's it's the vi- it's it's a it's a viral product. Um, so I'm about three weeks into having the free plan live. Uh, mm. And, um, you know, I, I launched the product earlier this year. And my default as a, as a bootstrapper, like charge for what, what you're doing, I went with the, I'm, I'm not going to do freemium. I'm just going to do a 14 day free trial. And that that worked okay for the first couple of months um, to, to get the first customers on board. But I, I, w- I went out to a, a retreat with some founder friends uh, about two months ago, and it they sort of. Su- I, I was a little bit surprised because I'm in a, a group of like fellow bootstrappers who are all about like the gen- tend to be more like the charge more, don't do free, all, all this kind of yeah. Um, but all of them were like, "Look, the nature of this product is it's viral, so you're going to need to." go freemium at some point. And they all, and, and, and that sort of, and, and then I, I was thinking about it and that really convinced me that like, if, if I'm going to experiment with a free plan, it's probably easier to do that 
during like now, like during the first year. And the, and the, the thinking is that without the free plan, with just the free trial, it really does limit the, the viral spread of, of the product. Because, yeah. you know, we, we had plenty of trialers who signed up and after 14 days, they didn't convert. And now they're not using it anymore and they're not sharing it anymore. So, so now with the free plan, yeah, they don't have the urgency to convert necessarily at, at 14 days, but um, it, we're just every day we're, we're adding to the pool of free users who could send a zip message link to someone else, you know, and and so I, I think it's a it, again it's it's one of those things where it's like a slower burn it's it's like it's a slower growth because you know um, there's going to be plenty of just free users um, but you know I, I I put in a bunch of um, you know I think pretty compelling limits on the free plan that that would get you over you I think looking at your pricing I actually think it's see you've got some really great um, kind of feature. Uh, distinctions too. Like as I'm looking at this, so when I was upgrading from Loom to ZipMessage, I'd already added a bunch of team members to Loom. So instantly I'm looking at, okay, team members. Well, I have to be on premium. That's the only option for me. It's yeah. still more affordable than Loom. So there's a natural like, okay, I'll switch. I'll save a little bit of money. Uh, by the way, that's how I that's how I uh, justified it to John, my business partner. I'm like, no, this is more expensive. Let's just switch to this, and it'll we'll save a little bit of money, right? Thanks, um, thanks for approving uh, it, John. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, by the way, those conversations—if you can observe those conversations in Slack or wherever—I oh, I think those are the most <laughs> fascinating conversations. This is why I love Build Your SaaS as a as a, pot, as a podcast. But I feel like there should be, if I can give you some some feedback on air about this. So um, I I would love to see more actual internal conversations, but published on air on Build Your SaaS between you and John. That That's what I'm really, like, that's what I'm always <laughs> fascinated with. Like, yeah, it's cool when you talk about other people and like interview guests, like, you know, but you have the unique uh, benefit of you and John are in the same company. Like me and Jordan are in two different companies. So, so we can't collaborate on stuff, you know, um, it, this, this week, and I was literally just thinking about this last night. I was listening to art of product with, with our friends, Ben and Derek. Right. And, and they had a unique episode last night of the, the two of them collaborating on air about how can we improve our podcast next year? Right. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. This is like, I'm, I'm hearing like creative ideas. I'm hearing pushback. I'm hearing, you know, um, this is real, you know, that that's, what's interesting to me. And, uh, yeah, you're right. I, yeah, we definitely need more of that. And the other advantage John and I have is that we're very different people. And so this dynamic plays out in all the time with us, which is, and what's interesting about it to me is I then extrapolate based on other experiences as well. Like when I was at Sprintly and I had to suggest what we were going to use, products we we're going to use, how did that conversation go? What was the pushback? What were other people saying? You know, what, you know, what, how did I fight those battles? How did I navigate the culture in order to get things approved? And, uh, and the same with mail out, like, when I was there, what was what were the things I was doing 
And what position did I have to be in? Because I started my my tech career at Mailout Interactive, an email newsletter company. And when I started, I didn't have very much social capital. But as I kind of worked my way up, increasingly, it was like I could I could suggest something, and I didn't even have to ask for permission. I could just charge it to my card, and you know that's what we're using. Those interactions and those dynamics are really interesting to me. Yeah. And I have seen, especially for freelancers and consultants, you have that ability to like look into other people's slacks and be there during those conversations. And whenever you notice something like that, I just, it's like, you've got to kind of take note of how that dynamic plays out. What are the power dynamics? What are the, how much social capital do you need? What, how do people suggest something? Because they're basically your salespeople, right? They're like, hey, we should switch for this. So the line I used with Zip Message is, it's like Loom, but we get the added benefit of these threaded conversations. I think we could use it for product review, but at the very least, we'll be able to replace what we're using at Loom for and save a little bit of money. It's like, okay, sure. I forgot whose podcast it was. Maybe it was one of yours uh, where you're you're thinking about, it's not just about how how you message your homepage to your target customer. It's about how how that customer has to go sell it to their coworkers or their boss or their partner, you know? Um, there, there are all these different value propositions at play that you need to sort of optimize on so many different levels. And it's that's where it really gets challenging, you know? And even... I mean, even a product like uh, ConvertKit and Transistor to an, a certain extent, um, and it's so interesting because most of our customers are prosumers. It's just individual creatives at home that want to make a podcast. But every once in a while, we get teams that sign up, and the decision-making process is completely different. The prosumer, what's interesting, is they often have to sell it to their spouse, so why do you want to get this? What what is this going to do? You know, you see that with like courses too. You know, uh, hey, I got to use ConvertKit. I was working for an email newsletter company, and so my, I already had a free account with them. And I'm like, I'm going to switch to ConvertKit. I have to like navigate this with my family, with my wife, basically. Like, okay, what? I saw that. I, I, again, it was like one of those differences between like ProcessKit and then into ZipMessage. ProcessKit, I saw a ton of that. Like where the person who discovered ProcessKit. Googled for it, came into the website, signed up for an account. Like they, they're super excited about the possibilities of what they could do with it. Um, they're sold all the way, but they couldn't, they couldn't make the sale to their team. And and like they, I, I had a lot of churns where it was like, man, I love it, but I, but my my team couldn't get on board with it. And um, I, yeah. I actually think the one reason the prosumer market is interesting. We used to have this distinction at like microconf where people would say, don't do B2C, just do B2B. And that was kind of like the, that was the the cliche. And first of all, I think B2B as a category, there's like way more nuance to that. Like B2B can mean B to Microsoft. It can mean B to like enterprise. It can be B to government. It can be B to a five-person team. Very, very different. But then there's this new emerging category, uh, uh, group in the middle of prosumers, creators, um, independent solopreneurs, whatever, 
that aren't true businesses. Many of them are doing part-time things or, you know, hobbies that they hope turn into something or uh, hobbies that they're just so serious about, they will spend a lot of money. Yeah. And, and, and people are more comfortable SaaS, with just paying for, for software in general now. Like yeah, yes. probably even more, even the consumer, prosumer crowd is like, before a SaaS product was like, what, a subscription? No way. And now, now it's like, they probably have a few of them, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think B2C as in, if you're going to make a generalization, it's still difficult. But there's a big difference between saying like, I want to sell you a subscription to this recipe app. And hey, you spend like most of your time and most of your money on photography. I'm going to, I'm going to sell you a SaaS based on that. It's just a different thing because there's always this aspirational component of this could become bigger. At the yeah. very least, um, an email newsletter or a blog or a podcast is going to be better for my career or it's going to be better for my, you know, whatever. And the nice thing about that category and the nice thing I think also about, however we say this, independent businesses, indie hackers, um, there's downsides to smaller businesses, whatever, is the volume. There's just yeah. so there's much just so volume. And SaaS especially if you're at the $19 plan or the $39 plan or whatever it is, SaaS is just all about volume. You just want thousands of people waking up every day. I, I think, I think you're right about that. I think that's where that's one of the, that's another one of those aspects that I think doesn't quite get talked about enough, even, even like as obvious as it is, right. Is, is that like, I think a lot of us in this, in this, in this indie hacker world are, um, a little bit too creative with the types of products and solutions that that we're creating. You know, I, I I've been guilty of this in numerous products. You know, um, I'm constantly questioning myself on it, it, it and, and it's like, you know, is is the ocean big enough? Uh, is, is the market? Are, are there actually an, enough people? Um, yeah, you know, who have this problem? And I, I mean, also to to the point of like um, the way that businesses buy software that that's changing a lot too now um again like obviously software is not new to businesses but like now you're seeing way more just people within a a team are so easily going and picking up a couple of SaaS products just just to because they have to have a get a job done by the end of the week so this solves the problem i don't need to even ask my manager about it i'm just going to sign up for this and that software tool and if and then if it sticks it sticks if it spreads it spreads i mean that's that's where i love what's happening with zip message for teams. Like, mm-hmm. like you just said, like, like people who have teams, like you don't necessarily even need the whole team to be bought in on day one, but one person in the org can start using it and spreading it within a department. Um, and yeah, whereas before, like uh, other tools, I mean, I come from process kit before that, but like the, you'd have to get like everyone to like evaluate it and then everyone say, okay, this month we're all going to get mm-hmm. on board with, with this. And that's, that's yeah. really difficult. But like now it's like yeah. software tool, you know, they, as long as it's not like tens of thousands of dollars, like they, they have like instant approval to just go ahead and, and get the tool that, that needs to be done, you know? Yeah. And just do it. Yeah. 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 And, and it, I, I like, I like the fishing metaphor of, like if you build a product that requires you to catch a 12-foot sturgeon, you know, it's like, that's what I got to catch. Well, those are 
difficult to catch. There's not that many of them. <laughs> and you might be fishing for a long time before you catch one. But uh, for most sass, because most sass is just volume, that's, a, that's an Ian Landsman quote, it's just volume, right? Most sass, you want just a river that where there's just tons of fish coming down all the time. Now, your competitors might be fishing in the same river. And, you know, in, in my case, maybe Libsyn has a bigger net. But as long as there's a bunch of fish, even if I have a smaller net, I'm still going to be able to catch them because there's so many coming down the river. And every day when I wake up and I go back to the river, there's still more fish coming down the, like, if, yeah. I, if I fall asleep and I sleep in and the sturgeon swims by and I missed it, it's like, ah. But sass is mostly just how many fish are swimming down this river and then it's all about optimizing your fishing game, right? It's like, okay, well, but optimizing your fishing game for sturgeon, it's the, the risks just go up. The, the, the dependencies just grow, go up. It's so much more difficult to, um, you know, it, it catch those kinds of fish. Well, the, the element that I, that I like, you, you tweeted about this a little while back, um, of that, the idea of like, tapping into this demand is like when you, when there is that move, that natural movement, the, the, you know, you don't mm -hmm. have to have everything optimal. You can, you can have, you can, Oh yeah. Either, you, things can be, things can be ugly. Things can be broken here and there, and you're still going to convert mm -hmm. some customers. Um, and that's another one of these like really, really hard things that happen. Yeah. Like I, I deal with it right now. Every, like literally today I have 10 things right now. I'm at 10 in my inbox. Yeah. And those are things that are suboptimal in my business. And it's constantly a, a decision of like, what am I not going to fix today? Because I, you know, I, I can only choose one or two of these. So what's it going to be? <laughs> and, and it's, um, it, that's a constant challenge, you know, because the, there are like big, you get like feature requests, like a feature request that I've heard 10 times. Yeah, I want to go build it right now. There's clearly a demand for it. Mm -hmm. But but I, but I can do that next month or the month yes. after and, and we'll still be fine, you know? And that's really, really difficult. And, and that's where Ruben Gamma has just tweeted about this. He's like, you know, most people are like optimizing stuff that doesn't matter. What you should really be focusing on is 5Xing or 10Xing your traffic. And, uh, you know, uh, relevant traffic would be the, the, the key piece, right? With Transistor, we um, our trial to conversion it, with credit card upfront is seventy five percent, and it's been steady like that almost since we started. And so we just that's, know that's that, great, right? That, I mean, yeah, it's great. The challenge <laughs> is you just need to get more uh, relevant traffic at the beginning, more leads, more trials, and as long as that quality stays about the same you're going to, to increase revenue. That's, that's the key. And the, the, the key distinction for us is that we were able to get to the certain escape velocity, not because we're the most brilliant, not because we're the best product people, although I do think we're very good product people, not because we're the best marketers, although I do think I'm a decent marketer, not because I had the biggest audience, although I had a decent sized audience. What really... Uh, did it for us was just this underlying demand. And for me, eventually, it feels like every business needs that because you want to be able to relax a bit. 
you want to be you 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 don't want to have to continuously wake up every day and like start cranking this machine that's like rusty and it's not just not working on its own. It requires you to be moving with it every day. No, you want a machine. That's the dream. Is it eventually you want something that starts? You know, as a observer of of you and so many other founders in this space, I'm always fascinated and because I'm in it right now it, within that first, call it like 12 to 24 months of, of the SaaS business, right? Like yeah, what are the things that you, you, you know, you're, you're several years into Transistor now. So like looking back, um, what were the things that like, you're like, yeah, that really moved the needle for us yeah. in, in terms of growing MRR? Or, or that didn't, like we, we worked, we, we spent too many hours on that when we should have spent it on this because that's what really clicked for us. And, and obviously the, the big caveat I, I, that should be stated is like, yeah, what, what probably worked for you probably will not work for someone else and vice versa. But like, um, yeah, like, like looking back on it, anything stick out? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So this is the chart that I've, I, I think about quite a bit. This is our first 12 months. So month one to six is early access. That's me just inviting people to switch to Transistor before we'd even launch the product. And there was some good feedback there. What am I testing there? How many people do I just personally know in this market? And how hard is it to get them to switch? And it turns out it's pretty easy. They just forward their old RSS feed, they start using us, and they're happy. It's like, okay, that's a good sign. Then month seven, we do our product hunt launch. And you can see, <laughs> product hunt launch, we got a bunch of new trials. But then every the three months after that, we go down. It's like every, you know, the next three months after launch, we're getting fewer and fewer trials. Yeah. And I haven't yet done the, the product hunt launch on, on Zip Message. I'm, I'm trying to think through when, like I'm thinking sometime next year, early next year. Um, yeah. Uh, like when is an optimal time to, to do that? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I guess I, you never really know. <laughs> yeah, I, like I, I, mean, I, I wouldn't want to wait like too long. Like I, w I wouldn't want it to be like a two or three year product, and then we do our <laughs> our product hunt launch. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, yeah. I the and you can see the product hunt launch for us. It wasn't just the product hunt launch, but just it's this official milestone that is just nice to go through because it makes a big splash. You get a bunch of people talking about your product. You get a bunch of advocates advocating for you. And you can see, I mean, we got whatever it is, uh, 75 trials that month with Product Hunt. And then it goes down to about 50 trials. Uh, but yeah, that's still like a trail, considerably like four more. Months there. Yeah. Yeah. There's considerably more than we had in early access for sure. Yeah. So what, what's really interesting in 11 and 12? Yeah. Yeah, so month 11 to 12, it goes up sharply. And what really started working there, I, I think it's a third, 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 roughly. A third is SEO, search engine optimization, just having relevant content that people were searching for that we were now ranking for. The big one that happened that month is we launched our affiliate program. And it's just... if. Again, if you're thinking about what people do, they're searching best podcast hosting. And we're going to be able to get some of that. We're going to be able to rank for some really good keywords. But there's a lot of that that in our category. Ruben was actually the one that that 
clued me into this. He said, look at the web hosting market. What's going on there? And a lot of web hosting is uh, Pat Flynn selling, um, you know, Bluehost on his podcast. So you're sharing revenue with people who, often people say with people who have big audiences, it's, it's not necessarily that. It's people who have, who own really relevant keywords. And yeah. Uh, and, and, and then this they, is something and then, I learned from Nathan Barry too. So with affiliate, yeah, this that's super interesting. So with affiliates, is it is it the is it the affiliate themselves, like their referral link that is driving that, or is it just the fact that you have a lot of people because they've become an affiliate, they're more likely to share it, talk about it, link to it, um, put it, put put it on their on their website. For us, and I think for ConvertKit too, this is why it doesn't work in every industry. Um, it has to be one of those things where people are searching for a roundup of like, here's our review of the top five. And mm-hmm. the good affiliates actually do a decent job of reviewing. Like they'll actually sign up for each product and try and, you know, do a, a legitimate review. And then you're just making it worthwhile for them to check you out in the first place and consider you and then rank you. And so, for us, it was, we're going to be very generous with the commission. And um, that was something I just took from Nathan. He offered 30%. I said, well, we'll offer 25%. And that will instantly make us one of the most generous revenue shares yeah. in podcasting. Uh, over the lifetime, yep. And Any, Anything you've done to like, uh, uh, obviously you have a platform to begin with, but like to get affiliates on board? Did you recruit any high value affiliates, anything like that? I mean, part of it, I think was just me being out there, but I think our top four or five affiliates, uh, don't tell Matt Giovannici this, but they, <laughs> I was on his podcast and they were all listening to his podcast. And so they, oh, yeah. they signed up from there. I don't know him well, but I, I man, I love everything he puts out. He, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. such high quality yeah. and a lot of personality. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, totally. But the thing with, with, it's this is why category determines the shape of everything is it, it won't work for everything you know what i mean like if it's not if there's not that type of thing i've tried affiliate and it's it's never worked on, on any of my products um, i think what most people don't understand is how many views these affiliate sites have to get in order for it to work like our top of well i what i found with it is um i like i want it to work but i uh, what i've found in my previous businesses i haven't launched an affiliate for zip message i, I might at some point i've had some requests for it but um it, it certainly in audience ops and i saw this back when i did restaurant engine too um it i had a lot of requests and and sort of like demand of from affiliate, like, I want to be an affiliate for this. I, I get that request yeah. a lot. Um, and, and it was 95% waste of effort and time for me to, to spend on, on those requests. You know, like I, I found that in, um, there, there are some, we don't technically call it an affiliate program, but like in audience ops, there are like resellers and, and, uh, I obviously I don't own that business anymore, but like, um, uh, that, that's like a, a, a chunk of of the customers are like agencies who resell. But I, I just remember getting a lot of requests from 
consultants and agencies were like, we can bring on lots of clients and then we spend time in the sales process with them and then they bring on none or only a few. Um, yes. And, and then yeah. I remember back in, in Restaurant Engine, I, I like built out like a whole suite and dashboard and materials for them to go sell Restaurant Engine to these restaurants and like zip, you know, and it was just like such a waste. And, and you know, I mean, I, I, I didn't recruit really great affiliates or anything like that, but you just get this demand. Like there, there's this always this natural demand. I think that probably a lot of SaaS see there, there's just a lot of people out there who see a new SaaS. They're like, Ooh, I want to try to sell that to my clients. And then. Yes. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Like we have, we have something like seven or 800 affiliates and it's the top, I'd say the top seven have brought in 95% of the revenue. So out of 700 affiliates. But, I mean, I, I think there's there's got to be, you, you mentioned like SEO and I mean, there's got to be, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like um, byproducts of having a successful uh, affiliate program is like there are more people signing up for it and sharing it and linking to it. And- yeah, I so I would say a third of our revenues come from affiliates. A third of our revenue has come from SEO and a third of our revenue has come from brand, which I'll just, brand is like me on social media. Brand is our podcast. Brand is people hearing about us. Um, people, you know, understanding that's a good product and hearing reviews and things like that. But all of these interplay with each other. So one of the first questions I ask people when they sign up is what brought you to Transistor today? And it's interesting getting those responses back. And, you know, some people are like, oh, I just Googled best podcast hosting. Um, and another person will say, well, I, I Googled how to start a podcast and I found your guide. That was three months ago. And now here I am ready to start. Another person will say, oh, I've been following, Justin, I've been following you since forever. I read your blog and your newsletter. And, and it's about a third, a third, a third. But those are not like silos. They all interact with each other too, and they lift each other up. I, I see the same thing too. People, uh, a, a chunk will say like, yeah, I listen to your podcast or, or follow you on Twitter. And then, um, I don't know about you. Uh, it seems like you're, you're more um, actively out there with the personal brand. Uh, but I, I tend to discount it, even though I, I do have a, a, a bit of an audience now from several years of doing the podcast and a lot of people who, who've come into like the productized course and things like that. I tend to look at that like, like those are great people, great customers, but I'm, I'm a li- like, I'm super excited when I see, how'd, how'd you hear about zip message? And, and they write in like Google search or they write in like, like, oh, uh, my boss told me about it, so I signed up. Like, I love those responses. But if, but if they're like, oh, I've been following you for years, it's like, okay, that's cool. But yes, my marketing didn't quite work yet. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's what I. Although they're all the, the challenges, is that it, it, it's all cumulative, in the sense that I would have not switched to Savvy Cal if I hadn't known Derek and known his story. I would not have switched to zip message if I hadn't known you and known your story. Now, you might only get a few of those, but one of the things about those kinds of interactions is there's certainly, uh, so for us, there was certainly more value in having 
uh, Basecamp sign up for a podcast and then talk about it than having just anybody else who knew us before and then sign up. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'd known those guys for a long time. And so it made sense that they would think of us when they were thinking of switching. It's cumulative. So so having... It's cumulative and like there there are, I hate this term, but there are influencers in, in the world. And and like, I mean, one of the things that, that's been a really great driver uh, in the early success of Zip Message has been my friend Chris Lemma, who who is a yeah. pretty well-known name in, especially in WordPress, but but in the SaaS world in general now. And he's been recommending it like crazy. And and it's been really, really helpful. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and a couple other people like that who, who are just well-connected and they happen to really like zip message. So, um, so, and like now, like right now, you know, I, I am trying to, I'm trying to make an active, cause that kind of thing has always just come from serendipity of, of literally just being friends with, with people like that, of being on the internet for years. Um, but I'm trying to take a more active approach to it now. Like I would yeah. love to find 50 more people like that with, with, with reach who, and, and this is where like, you know, my friend Jordan is like, uh, the, the, the LeBron James of this strategy. And I'm like the, the bench player who, who can't get on the court. Right. Like, uh, um, I mean like just striking up relationships, like Twitter DMS going crazy. Like, like I, like that's where I, I have natural friendships, but I don't take an active approach. Like today I need to meet 20 more people and, and do, you know, yeah. make this happen, you know? Um, and there's multiple ways of doing that. Like the, uh, Adam Wathen ended up being a good friend to me, but also just a, a very helpful person in my business life. And he found me, I'm guessing through my blog or my podcast. So that was, and he reached out to me. So that would have probably not happened unless I'd had a public persona. But there is another way of doing this that's much more targeted, which is just uh, if you're really good at connecting, meeting, introducing yourself to interesting people who have connections themselves, that's a much more direct way of doing it. Or you could also be like a Ruben Gamez who just, or even an Ian Landsman who... Uh, they don't strike me as like awesome A-type alpha male, uh, you know, uh, salespeople that go out and like are networkers. They are also not uh, personal brand people who blog a ton and podcast a ton, but there's just silently earning respect over years and years and years. And then you just naturally, you put in the work. Yeah, I think I think those guys have like, yeah, they've, they've been out there because they've had some success. So people know them publicly, but but we know them personally and they just constantly uh, give a lot of really uh, incredible value privately and, and you, and you grow your, your network that way too, you know? For yeah. Sure. Like for sure, more people know about uh, Taylor Otwell than Ian Landsman. Uh, but that that's okay for Ian because he's just happy to go along with his life and, you know, he, and he, he makes a difference where it counts for him. So it seems like there's three kind of approaches. Yeah. I mean, having a podcast, honestly, having a podcast is a big one for sure. I mean, yes, like, you know, I, I've gotten to know Adam as, as well, pretty well. I think he's yeah. a listener of Bootstrap Web. That's how I met him, you know, um, and, and a lot, a lot of these folks, 
you know, we, we, we've just been. Adam was the one that told me that we should do build your SaaS the way we did it. He said, he said, you gotta, you've got to uh, do it like bootstrap web. Cause I don't want you teaching me. I don't want you, I want you to turn off your marketing voice and just have these kind of update conversations. So we, we all copied your format. <laughs> That was, that was the. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad you, you do because these those are all the podcasts I listen to. Like I want more of them. <laughs> I was yeah, just, I was totally. just DMing with someone today. I was like, yeah, it's like start one, please, because I, I want to. Oh yeah, one. they're awesome. And th- the key is you can have 500 listeners or 100 listeners. Um, doesn't matter as long as they're the right people. Yeah. And oh, and we do everything wrong, by the way. I mean, we're not every week. You know, we're we we take breaks because we get busy. We don't really promote the episodes, and like even that, it's just I don't know if it matters. I, I mean, if you're trying to do what Ben and Derek are trying to do now, which is grow their show even bigger, uh, sure it matters. But there is a style of show that uh, the right people will listen to, and you might only be getting a hundred of listeners, but. You know, Heaton Shaw is listening and Ruben Gamez is listening. And that's maybe all you need because then yeah, they'll totally. reach out to you. I love uh, I love going to microconf and literally feeling like all of our podcast listeners are like in this room. Yes. And and there there aren't any outside of this room. It's just the people here, you know? Like Yeah. And and like yeah. that's you know, that's cool. Uh, that's yeah, totally it's, fine. It's super annoying to my wife when we go to those things and she's like, this is this is silly. <laughs> this is weird. Everybody yeah. knows you. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was great, man. Uh, we got to do this again sometime. We ended up going over an hour. Yeah, man. Anytime, dude. Uh, you know, thanks for having me on. I, I'm again. I'm I'm always a fan of of all the stuff that that you're putting out there. So uh, keep doing oh, it. Oh yeah. Well, this was so fun for me to go talk some of this stuff out. These are the kinds of conversations I like. They kind of ignite sparks in my head that you know make me want to go and look at things or research things or for sure do things. Uh, folks should def- definitely check out zip message, zipmessage.com. If you like this show, reach out to us on Twitter. You can find us on, on Twitter. I'll put our handles in the show notes. Actually do that. If you're still listening, reach out to us, let us know what was good about the show, what we made you think of. If there was any kind of aha moments, any pushback, uh, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, totally. I'm on Twitter. Like Twitter is where I, I spend way too much time. So cast jam on, on Twitter. And, and yeah, thanks again, Justin, for, for having me on. This is awesome. Beauty. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.